0: Back to North Idaho now, this is episode 165 for September 13th. Chance Watson bring you the news today. This episode is brought to you by Andy's Heating and Cooling. Andy's Heating and Cooling has been selling and installing furnaces, air conditioners, fireplaces, barbecues, and much more in new and existing homes since 1972. 50 years later, Andy's Heating and Cooling is still doing business the old-fashioned way with a handshake. Come and visit Andy's showroom at 7800 North Government Way in Coeur Lane, which features all the latest wood fired stoves, pellet stoves, and gas stoves from Quadrafire, Hutilator, and Heat and Glow. Andy's also carries the big green egg smokers and grills. Join Andy's heating and cooling team on Friday, September 16th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. On, and on Saturday from September 17th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. to celebrate 50 years of operation in North Idaho with special deals, grilled and smoked food, and raffles. Good folks over there at Andy's Heating and Cooling, uh, gonna be gonna be out there Saturday myself to uh, to go Facebook Live there at Andy's Heating and Cooling celebration. So don't miss out on the fun. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Uh, we are very happy to have you around. I actually uh, shook my magic eight ball here on my desk right before and uh, asked. After if it was going to be a good show. Asked if we were going to have some good content today. Asked if the the people were going to be happy with today's episode. And it came back without a doubt. Uh, I even took a picture of it and uh, and just just for proof. Might even use that as the uh, cover photo for the episode. We'll see. Who knows? Maybe 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 not. Um, I wanted to give a couple shout outs over the weekend. I hope everybody had a good weekend. By the way, despite it being so smoky out. Uh, God, that always. I don't particularly. I'm not one of the uh, the folks that fall into the sensitive groups. At least, I, at least I don't think uh, sensitive categories. For, you know, for breathing conditions and that kind of thing. But God, it just seems like it. You know, really puts me behind. puts everybody behind. You know, you're, you're moving a little slower. Seem to get your breath a little harder. Ah, it's just, it's just not as fun. So uh, everybody's dealing with that right now. Try to try to stay indoors. Try to avoid that smoke as best you can. Uh, Over the weekend, I did get a chance to go to the Inland Northwest Heroes Charity Golf Tournament up in the Highlands and Post Falls. Great event. Going to money going to a good cause. Shout out to the folks that were were hosting that. uh, Kyle and uh, and the rest of the team with Inland Northwest Heroes. They are they are good folks. Um, Hoping hoping to chat with them soon and and put out a good story on that. Uh, Also, shout out. We're going to talk about. I teased it in the last episode. We're going to talk about it today. My story on the Sunshine Mine. Uh, shout out to Tom over at the Sunshine and all the good folks down there trying to uh, pull those pull those important minerals out that make all of our technology and the microphone and the computer and the phone that I'm using to to talk to you guys right now on. So uh, shout out to them for bringing me in and giving me a tour of that place. It was always always great to see those people, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, while I did get to relax on Sunday last night, I was I was asked to go sub in in a hockey game uh, like an ice hockey game and uh, i gotta tell you uh i'm i'm not in hockey shape folks uh, my legs hurt i took a puck to the back of the leg so that that I can definitely feel that bruise coming on um and we didn't win which is which is never good now you know at this age in beer league it's beer league it's adult league chance it's not beer league no one drinks beer there that's not a thing um Adult league hockey, uh, it's definitely all about the fun. But you know, you never, it's you hate. It's not about winning. It's about not losing. Um, so yeah, little little sore coming coming to you guys today. Uh, thankfully, I'm just sitting in a chair, not having to do push-ups or something while I while I do this. Um, also, kind of uh in in my own interest this morning, just scrolling through social media and whatnot. Uh, something something really cool. I, I it seems like reoccurring themes happen on this show. Weird, oh weird. Um, talking about uh, this morning, Nintendo. Um, it, for those who know, I'm a I'm a huge video game fan. Uh, Nintendo came out with something they call it direct. It's like where they kind of release news. Um, and they announced that the classic game GoldenEye, a revamped version of it, um, is making its way to the Switch. I don't know if you knew this or not. Uh, I couldn't be more excited as a big James Bond fan uh, and a big gamer. Uh, well, yeah, fairly, fairly good. I wouldn't say that's my main pastime, at least not as much as I used to when I was younger. Um, But when I was younger and playing video games a lot, uh, GoldenEye 007 on the N64, one of my favorite games of all time coming back there. And the fact that it's being ported over to a more modern cl- uh, console. I know that sounds dumb, like, oh, Chance, you have the game on n64 would you buy it again well um probably just for nostalgia i guess but you could say and it's also revamped and it's got better graphics and that kind of thing so uh those who do not still have an n64 such as myself um but you do have a switch for for whatever reason uh look out for that um so you can relive your childhood a little bit the everybody playing four screen golden eye um remember remember everybody playing his odd job was cheating that was before the time of auto aim and uh, playing as a character that was substantially shorter than the rest and below the crosshairs was absolutely 100% cheating. Uh, and I and I will uh, argue with anybody about that. It's also it's also using it's like using the cheats in Mario Kart on the N64. you could like jump off the map and immediately go to the other side on Rainbow Road. Yeah, yeah, you people who know what I'm talking about, bunch of, bunch of cheaters. I, I certainly never did that. Not, not what, not once. Uh, last thing I kind of have just been following along. I know this sounds kinda, kinda, it sounds kind of, kind of it's, it, you know, nowadays everybody watches the news cause it's all just negative stuff. Um, I've been follow constantly following along with the situation that's going on in Ukraine. Um, just watching the progress, uh, shout out to all the folks that are going on and fighting, fighting for their home over there against, against those, uh, those commies. No, just kidding. It's, Russians, but um, in any case, yeah, um, sounds like things are going interestingly well over there for the Ukrainians, and uh, hope hope the momentum keeps up. That's been something that I think I think what was that called doom scrolling, where you just where you just go through your social media feed and find stuff going on uh, negative in the world. Unfortunately, I think we're all guilty of that in some way, shape, or form uh I, I for a fact not always we don't this show isn't just filled with happy fluffy headlines unfortunately sometimes in the news we have to talk about negative things so um unfortunately that that is going on in the world and uh there are people on the other side of the planet that are dealing with some hardships at the moment um but sounds like th- sounds like things might be going well for the ukrainians so that is a, a good sign at least at least in my thoughts all right, without further ado, let's jump into Coeur Post Falls Press headlines for Saturday, September 10th. But first, Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer of the operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer of operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They are the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value based culture, leveraging mining skills built over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit heclamining.com. Boy, I've been reading that ad for so long. All right, Coraline Post Falls Press headline, Saturday, September 10th. Headline. No emergency school levies. This is by Devin Weeks and kind of a follow-up on stories we talked about last week. School districts across Kootenai County will not pursue emergency levy funding for the 2022-2023 school year, even if they qualify. At the start of each school year, K-12 districts have the option under state law of exercising elective taxing authority without voter approval for property tax relief when more students show up than expected. The money covers the cost of educating additional students not yet included in state funding and not budgeted for. Eligibility is determined by the comparing of current years of average daily attendance during the first week of school with that of the previous year. The Coeur School District reported an average daily attendance of 9,996.7 students the first three days of school. 0.7 students? You've only got 0.7 of a student? At the... <laughs> just kidding. That's, I'm, sure that that's, I'm sure that that's just a, a statistical thing. An increase of 22 students per day from the beginning of the 2021-2022 school year, while Coeur qualified for an emergency levy, Superintendent Sean Hawker said he believed the increase in attendance to be minor and that any additional operating costs could be covered with a portion of the district's remaining federal COVID relief funds this year. Post-Fall School District did not qualify for an emergency levy. Attendance numbers from the first day of school Tuesday showed an increase of 100 students at the elementary level from 2,791 last year to 2,891 this year, and a decrease of secondary students from 3,199 to 3,069 for a grand total of 5,960 students this year or 30 less than 5,990 students counted at the start of the 2021-2022 school year. It's still definitely up from when I went to school there. The Lakeland Joint School District will not pursue an emergency levy. Its average daily attendance numbers were not available by press time. Kootenai Joint School District Superintendent Scott Davis reported nearly 100% students' attendance the first week of school. He said his district has about 200, about 200 students, an increase of 20 from last year. Kootenai will not pursue an emergency levy either. All right. Well, sounds like uh, either it doesn't make sense or they just don't need the money. So either way, that's there you go. Uh, No taxes going up anyway. Moving on. NIC trustee candidates finalized. This is by Kay Thornbrew. After several candidates withdrew from the race, six will seek election to the North Idaho College Board of Trustees in November. Oh, this is a a very relaxing position that uh, everybody should just be totally interested in. The positions up for election are those now held by Pete Brodege in Zone 5, John Godey in Zone 2, and David Wold in Zone 1. Protégé, Gody, and Wold were appointed in May to serve on the board until November the uh, November 8th election, following the resignations of Michael Barnes, Ken Howard, and Christy Wood. Each would need to win the election in order to remain on the board. Protégé is the only appointee whose name will appear on the ballot. Two candidates will scur off in each zone. They include, in Zone 1, Ronald W. Hartman and Terry Zimmerman. In Zone 2, Brad Corkill and Diana Sheerden. In Zone 5, Mike Wagner and Pete Brodige. In Zone 1, includes the southwestern part of Kootenai County on the west side of Lake Coeur d'Alene. Zone 2 mostly covers the eastern side of the county on the southern side of Lake Coeur d'Alene. And Zone 5 encompasses the northwestern part of the county, including Post Falls and Rathdrum. All right, things moving forward at NIC. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. Moving on, Sunday, September 11th, a time of recovery and rebuilding. This is by Maureen Dolan. This a bit of a longer story, folks. Stick with me here, but there's a lot of good information about Kootenai Health and what they're currently going through. Kootenai Health is not for sale, nor is it on the brink of financial collapse. The hospital and healthcare system is, however, facing a significant financial challenge, one driven by a national health care staffing crisis that Kootenai Health CEO John Ness has been alerting the community to for months. At the same time, a change in Idaho law enacted July 1st paved the way for hospital districts like Kootenai Health to transition from being government-owned with locally elected boards and taxing authority to nonprofit organizations. This update in the law, which affords hospital districts the same option long available to county-owned hospitals, has prompted Kootenai Health leadership to begin evaluating the potential advantages and disadvantages of such a move. Quote, it's just an opportunity to make sure that the, what we're doing for the community is the right thing, said Katie Brody, chair of the Kootenay Hospital District Board of Trustees on Thursday. Ness said he would take it a step further, and Brody agreed. Quote, I think our board actually has an obligation to evaluate whether this is a good idea, Ness said. Uh, first item in this story that they wanted to talk about was nursing shortage and COVID nineteen. Uh, these are all uh, shortened versions of these. If you guys want the full story, as usual, check out them out. Check them out, quarterlinepress.com. In a guest column published by the press in June, Ness detailed a growing shortage of available medical professionals, primarily nurses, that has led to massive increases in labor costs throughout the hospital industry. Quote, hospitals are going to experience both service and financial challenges, Ness wrote last spring. We simply cannot continue to do things the way they have always been done. That hospital staffing shortage, while exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, was growing years before anyone in the U.S. had even heard of the coronavirus. A widely shared national study published pre-pandemic in 2018 in the American Journal of Medical Quality projected a shortage of registered nurses that would continue spreading across the country through 2030. Vaccine and mask mandates had less impact in 2020 and 2021 on healthcare workers as exodus from the industry than other factors, namely burnout. At Kootenai Health, nearly all employees complied with a vaccine requirement, and 99% of employee requests for medical or religious exemptions were approved. Out of nearly 3,700 Kootenai Health workers, just 18 left as a result of the vaccine requirement. Now speaking on financial implications of traveling nurses, the need for more nurses during surges of COVID-19 drove hospitals nationwide to increase their reliance on a resource long used to bridge temporary staffing gaps contract staffing firms that provide travel nurses. The American Hospital Association reported in April that 95% of healthcare facilities hired nurses from contract labor firms during the pandemic. At the same time, there have been nearly a hundred and twenty percent increase in these firms as recruitment of contract or travel nurses from pre-pandemic levels in January of 2019 to January of 2022. Meanwhile, the hourly rate change charged to hospitals by staffing companies for travel nurses increased 213% over the same time frame. Quote, To put in perspective, let's say an average traveler could make $150 an hour to $200 an hour. An average nurse can make $42 an hour to $60 an hour, Ness said. So if you're making $200 an hour as a nurse traveler, that would be the equivalent, if you annualize it, of making $400,000 a year per individual nurse traveling. Ness said Kootenai Health is now spending an average of $6 million per month on contact traveler, contract travelers. With a financial turnaround plan developed, the hospital has identified $35, $35 million in savings and additional revenue to offset the loss. The number one priority is to reduce contract labor costs and fill positions with regular employees. This includes efforts to retain and recruit employees by increasing pay for hard-to-fill positions, along with other labor strategies, including a hiring freeze and providing additional time off to help alleviate burnout. Moving on to the public-to-private new option. While addressing the financial situation is at the forefront of everyone's mind at Kootenai Health, another issue has emerged for hospital leadership to consider. For the first time, the Idaho legislator and the governor have created a path for public hospital districts like Kootenai Health to transition to private, nonprofit organizations. There are only two large hospitals with more than 300 beds in the Pacific Northwest that are public hospital districts, Kootenai Health and Evergreen Health in Kirkland, Washington. Kootenai Health is unusual and unique in that it remains a public hospital district. Out of 50 hospitals in Idaho, just eight are in the same situation. Those are mainly very small, rural, critical, care access facilities. The predominant model for hospitals in the U.S., Ness said, is the 501c3 nonprofit corporation. Brody said she thinks it's an exciting opportunity for Kootenai Health to explore. She said she doesn't think a shift to a nonprofit model would be a loss of local control because the elected board would remain in place and future members would be appointed by the board. Uh, like I said before, this is a pretty in-depth story by Maureen Dolan. I would definitely go and check it out if you're interested in the intricacies of what's going on over at Kooteny Health. Uh, I'm starting to learn a little more about the contract nurse situation. So um, yeah, uh, definitely something going on there. Lots of, Sounds like there could be changes coming to Kooteny Health. Moving on, Forces of Nature. This is by Devin Weeks. From chip shots and trail walks to shooting targets and shooting the breeze, the 2022 Idaho Governor's Cup was warmly welcomed back to North Idaho following a pandemic hiatus. Over three days from Thursday to Saturday, 650 participants enjoyed shotgun sports at the Coeur d'Alene Skeet and Trap Club, fly fishing on the Coeur d'Alene, Clark Fork, and St. Joe Rivers, hikes on Tums Hill, cooking demonstrations, dining on cruise boats, and of course, Governor's Cup golf tournaments all to support Idaho students in their pursuit of higher education. Quote, It's a beautiful week to be up in Coeur d'Alene raising money for our children, Governor Brad Little said Friday. I always enjoy my time here with the North Idaho community. The Idaho Governor's Cup alternatives alternates annually between Coeur d'Alene and Sun Valley. It was last held in Coeur d'Alene in 2018 and before the pandemic in Sun Valley in 2019. Quote, we have a lot of happy people after the cancellations the last few years, said Governor's Cup Executive Director Carly Foster. It's definitely great to see our sponsors come back and stick, stick it out with us and give money to Idaho students. The three-day event usually brings in more than $1 million from the Idaho Governor Cup Scholarship Fund. The scholarships are awarded to graduating seniors who are involved in extracurricular activities, keep at least a 2.5 grade point average, and contribute their time and talents to improve the communities. This year's record-breaking event, a theme of Forces of Nature, brought in more than $1.1 million that will be distributed to 40 scholarship recipients across the state who will attend Idaho colleges and universities. The awardees were selected out of more than 350 applicants, Quote, we are so proud of these students for choosing to further their education and training in Idaho, Little said. I have said many times that success in our lives and careers depends on our willingness to continue, uh, continually learn. These students have clearly taken the right steps so far and will continue to do great things with everything they will learn during college. We are proud to present them with these scholarships, which they rightly deserve. Of the 40 students, 25 are academic scholarship recipients who will receive $5,000 per year for up to four years. This includes one student from Post Falls High and two from Coeur d'Alene. The other 15 students will receive career technical scholarships of $3,000 per year for up to three years of the program. One Kootenai High School student is a Career Tech's recipient, quote, It's such a wonderful thing, Foster said. Governor Little has been so instrumental in making sure one of his main priorities is to make Idaho a place where kids want to stay or come back if if they leave. The Governor's Cup is part of that priority that we're keeping Idaho's best and brightest here in Idaho, and they have a place where they know that they're supported. The Governor's Cup is a longtime tradition in Idaho, started by Governor Cecil Andrus in 1974. Foster said the application window for the next year's scholarships will open in November. For more information, visit IdahoGovernorsCup.org. Sounds like a fun time. Initial success or total failure? Mad Bomber Brewing Company, located at 9265 North Government Way in Hayden, Idaho, is a veteran-owned and operated business that has been serving North Idaho since 2013. Swing by the brewery to see the new taproom renovations and try the freshly tapped Oktoberfest. This this is a really good beer, gang. Coming in at 26 IBU and 5.6 ABV, this ale features Munich malt and English yeast, giving it a slightly sweet, earthy finish. Be sure to check out their special events throughout the week, including Trivia on Mondays, or Bingo on Mondays, All Day Happy Hour on Tuesdays, Open Mic Night on Wednesdays, Discount of Growler Fills on Thursdays, and Live Music on Fridays and Saturdays. Mad Bomber Brewing also offers a wide selection of ciders for those who may not want beer. Located near Triple Play, come by and mention the podcast when you order to receive $1 off your first beer. Mad Bomber Brewing, recklessly brewed in Hayden, Idaho. Takes in two. Monday, September 12th headlines. Honoring the Fallen. This is by Kay Thornbrew. The Coeur Fire Department Honor Guard conducted a flag ceremony Sunday morning at the Fallen Heroes Memorial Plaza on Cherry Hill to honor those who died in the 9-11 attacks. Quote, it's important to visibly remember the sacrifices of first responders and civilians and make sure that we're still here, said Fire Inspector Craig Etherton. The memorial honors the nearly 3,000 victims who died in the 2001 attack on the World Trade Center in New York City. It also has five statues dedicated to Idaho's police officers and firefighters who have fallen in the line of duty. Nearby is the 9-11 Memorial Playground, which features a unique centerpiece, a 10-foot-tall firefighter's helmet. It is super cool. Atherton said the site offers a special way for young people to connect with important history. Quote, we love to see kids here, he said. While the flag ceremony provided a somber moment for reflection, Atherton said the Coeur d'Alene Fire Department keeps the 9-11 victims close with constant reminders, including decals, on their vehicles. Quote, we honor them every day, he said. Fantastic, that's such a great thing for uh, the community and uh for us to remember uh, a dark time in our country's history. Moving on Tuesday, September thirteenth headline we're surrounded by fires this is by devin weeks that's boy, that's frightening. It's like the meme where he's where the little dog is sitting there and he's in a flaming house. This is fine. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to get to a point where we're just going to talk in memes. All right, moving on. Devin Weeks. Air quality is officially unhealthy in Cooney County and throughout, the, uh, throughout North Idaho. Boy, that's not shocking at all. The Idaho Department of Environmental Quality has issued an air quality advisory Monday morning to notify residents in the five northern counties of the degraded air quality caused by wildfire smoke. The current air quality index for the Coeur area is especially unhealthy for those with lung sensitivities such as asthma or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. In a news release late Monday afternoon, the Coeur Fire Department announced that no open outdoor burning is allowed at this time because of the unhealthy air quality. This applies to small recreational fires, even in approved fire pits, but propane fire pits are still allowed. Quote, the problem we're having is that we're surrounded by fire, said Sean Sweetapple, regional air quality manager for the Idaho Department of Environmental Quality. Quote, we're lucky. We're, we were lucky through the summer. We made it to September. We thought we hadn't made it, but Mother Nature had a different idea. He said most of the smoke in Kootenai County is coming from fires in Grangeville and central Idaho as south and southeasterly winds blow to the north. Quote, we're going to be stuck with the potential for smoke for a little while, Sweet Apple said, adding that some of the wildfires ranging in the region have the potential to produce smoke until it snows. Northern Lakes Fire District Public Information Officer Chris Larson said the fire in Salmon uh, Chalice National Forest is the largest wildfire in the lower 48 states. Quote, you have that area plus Grangeville, so you have all that smoke from the area, Larson said. The Cooney River Complex fire to the north of us by Bonners Ferry has been pretty significant. They still have 0% containment. For more information or to check air updates at any time, visit www.deq.idaho.gov forward slash quality air quality index moving on cda moles putting lid on short-term rentals this is a follow-up on stories that we've read in the past this is by k thornbrew the quarterline city council may soon discuss putting a moratorium on new permits for short-term rentals oh boy Councilwoman Christy Wood floated the possibility during Monday's General Services and Public Works Committee meeting, where half the body considered a city proposal to better regulate short-term rentals, or STRs. Wood said she thinks a moratorium will be necessary if the council puts a cap on how many STR permits are issued annually. Quote, we can't have a thousand people rushing to get a permit when we might not allow that many, she said. They requested the potential moratorium to be added as a discussion item for the next week's City Council meeting. Idaho law prohibits cities and counties from enacting ordinances that prohibit short term vacation re- or uh, short term or vacation rentals, but jurisdictions have authority to implement quote, reasonable restrictions whatever that means. Limiting STR permits, whether by moratorium lottery or some other method, is just one of several options under consideration to address the impact of these rentals on Coeur Lane. Other proposed solutions include, quote, limiting short-term rentals to owner-occupied properties within residential zones, requiring off-street parking, requiring a minimum of two-night stay, increasing violation fees, and hiring a company to enforce compliance with STR rules. Late last August, the city had 228 legally permitted STRs. Now it has 381, a 40% increase in one year. Violating the current STR ordinance is punishable by a $100 fine. Though Wood said she's open to stiff financial penalties for those who violate the rules, she opposed a suggested a misdemeanor citation for repeat offenders. Following another city council meeting, Community Planning Director Hillary Patterson said the next step is for the city to reach out to current permit holders neighborhood groups, and other stakeholders to gather feedback. A joint workshop with the Council and Planning Commission will follow. The public will have the chance to comment on the draft ordinance. If amendments to the short-term rental ordinance move forward, they could go into effect by the time the next permitting period begins in March. Yeah, uh, so as somebody, I don't know if B&Bs fall into this category or that one company that that is known for B&Bs, but boy, I remember that used to be a, a cheap alternative. To a hotel, you know, or at least that was marketed as such. Now they're just as expensive, not more. Um, so these STRs, I, I personally haven't got – I've been to one where an event was happening, uh, but I haven't personally rented one myself. So we'll continue to follow along with the saga. Home of the lowest prices on all things outdoor since 1975, Black Sheep Sporting Goods is your one-stop shop for all your camping, fishing, hunting, and clothing needs. Open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays from 8, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Check out Black Sheep's new location in the Silver Lake Mall. Be sure to also check out www.blacksheepidaho.com and receive free shipping on orders over $100. Black Sheep Sporting Goods, celebrating 45 years as your favorite sporting goods store. That takes us north to the Bonner County Daily Bee Headlines out of Sandpoint for Saturday, September 10th. Headline, Saddle Up. This is by Bo White Eagle. Throw a leg over and get ready to hunt with Priest River Valley Backcountry Horsemen and their annual scavenger hunt. The fundraiser will be held on September 24th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., Set to be held at Chipmunk Rapids near the Priest Lake Information Center on Highway 57, this year's event will follow the tradition of having a theme that decides the items that are hidden. The event's creator and PRVBH public lands liaison, Robin uh, Pilkington, said the theme, quote, horsing around, we'll see 28 various miniature horse figurines hidden along the trail, which also falls in line with the group's purpose and mission. It sounds like somebody's horsing around. That was a good. It's a good show uh, on Netflix. Bojack Horse. With the mission of maintaining and preserving public access in the local community, the PRVBH is just one of the branches in Bonner County that belongs to a much larger organization that started in Montana with the same purpose. From its beginnings in Montana, the organization has grown to have state chapters that govern smaller chapters in that area. On a national level, Backcountry Horsemen of America even goes as far as to fund efforts to lobby the government in favor of public trails. Averaging between 75 and 100 miles of trail maintenance every year, Pilkington said the funds raised from the event will go toward aid in that mission. While the main event will be held Saturday, a kickoff event has been planned for Friday with a potluck at 5 p.m., to be followed by a meeting at 6 p.m., Pilkington said that although the pond luck has been largely talked about to members, the community is invited to learn about the organization. The hunt will begin Saturday morning and will be a leisurely activity to start and do at one's own pace. Also featuring a pulled pork lunch and prizes, the event entry fee to hike, ride, or just have lunch is $10 per person. In the past, Bilkington said prizes have ranged from a golf course gift certificate to handmade decorations, all donated by the community. This year, the organization is looking to do the same as it's asking the community for help. To donate, reach out to Robin Plinkington via email. To learn about the event and the organization or become a member just in time for the potluck, go online to prvbch.org. Sounds like a fun time. Moving on, county hikes its fees. This is by Daniel Radford. Gotta love that. North Idahoans love when their, hi- their fees go up. County officials decide to raise building structure and land use fees at its public hearing on Thursday. The decision followed a proposed amendment by Planning Director Jacob Ge- uh, Gabell to revise the fee schedule. AM0014-22 adapted the fee code for Titles 11 and 12. The Title 11 fee schedule addresses fees for the permitting of physical structures in Bonner, uh, Bonner County. The only change for Title 11 created a $400 fee per RV park or campsite, plus an additional $25 per lot or site. Title 12 saw several changes to fees regarding land use. The fee for a minor notational change increased from $275 for a preliminary plat and $260 for a final plat to $300 for either. The amendment increased the, the hearing examiner fee from $50 to $225 rather, and created a $65 fee for hearing examiner site visit. The site visit fee, quote, may apply, but it is in the contra- contract with the examiner. Gabell said, while Gabel does not expect a site visit to happen often, quote, but if it does, we have a fee that we could charge. There were no public comments. Connolly moved to adopt the fee change. The motion passed unanimously, and the fee changes took effect upon passage on Thursday. Moving on, Sewage Systems Report Out. This is by Daniel Radford. Oh, this is... Ooh. Idaho Conservation League has released its fifth annual report on the state's sewage treatment plants. In its review published Wednesday, ICL said only 28 of the state's 112 municipal water systems had no discharge permit violations. By ICL standards, 75% of Idaho's sewage plants received a failing grade, including all but one plant in the panhandle. ICL used data from echoepa.gov for the study. The caveat, however, is that a simple pass-fail categorization of these plants does not capture the degree to which they failed or almost passed, or whether the water ever reached the public. ICL used a simple pass-fail grade for the report. If the plant had a single violation from the beginning of 2019 to the end of 2021, then the plant received a failing grade. The Dover plant failed to meet standards on one occasion for suspended solids, which includes sediment and other fine-graded particles that can reduce water clarity and harm aquatic life. It was the city's only violation in the past three years. The Priest River plant had four E. coli violations in the last three years. In Sandpoint, the plant had three violations in the past three years. The plant failed for the allowable levels of biochemical oxygen demand, which is a surrogate of the degree of organic pollution in effluent, as well as for chlorine and pH levels. The Kootenai-Ponderay plant had five violations over the last three years for nitrogen in suspended soils. The Bonners Ferry plant had four violations in the last three years on counts of chlorine, E. coli and pH levels. Coeur d'Alene had five violations for E. coli or pH levels. Post Falls only had one failure for their zinc levels. That's interesting. Hayden's plant did not have any violations. Mullen had two failures, one for E. coli and the other for pH. St. Mary's saw 14 failures for BOD and suspended soils. Worley had twenty one violations for ammonia, BOD, and suspended soils. Smelterville saw thirty-three violations in the last three years for ammonia, BOD, E. coli, lead, and suspended soils. Ah, oh, it's great, I just lived there for five years. Plummer had fifty eight failures for ammonia, E. coli, and phosphorus, ranking in with the fifth most permit violations in the state. To review the thirty page thirty three page report, Go to bit.ly forward slash report 5 L I L I L blah, 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 blah. 5 L C I. Uh, definitely sounds like a shitty situation. Ah, 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 we have fun here. Gotta have a bad pun in here every once in a while. Are you looking to get the word out about your business? The Hagadon Media Group is your full-service digital marketing agency that can be can make inroads into any market with multiple channels. Website optimization, paid search campaigns, web advertising placements, and traditional advertising methods are all brought to bear as they are needed. Hagadon Media Group's passion for their craft is matched by their passion for detail. Some of their best projects have blended state-of-the-art digital marketing techniques and tactics with visual displays and brilliant website design. For more information on how Haggadon Media can provide effective digital marketing solutions, that bring your brand to the forefront via web design, web development, PPC, retargeting, SEO, and print, call 208-819-6610. Takes into Sunday, September 11th headlines. Backing the Bonner Blue. This is by Kevin and Lobsinger. Imagine your favorite football team and there's a big game coming up. Quote, you hold a rally and you say, go team, go. You know, we're behind you all the way. We support you, rah, rah, rah. Jim Kelly, organizer of Saturday's Back the Bonner Blue event said, quote, and that's what this is. It's a rally. The event, now in its third year, drew between 75 and 90 people who stood on the sidewalk in front of the Bonner County Courthouse and Sandpoint Community Hall. Many held signs showing support for local law enforcement. Some wore t-shirts with a similar message, and others waved the American flag as cars passing by honked in support of their, of their or their drivers or and passengers gave a thumbs up. Kelly created the rally, a distinction, he stresses, as a way to show support for local law enforcement after national riots and the treatment of police left many feeling dispirited. The first year he held the rally on his own, but for the past two years he has teamed up with the Bonner County Sheriff's Chaplains to spread the word and help organize the rally. It's a very simple thing, Kelly said, adding that it's a purely a matter of support for anyone in law enforcement, from deputies to the dispatchers to clerks and corrections officers. The group is not political and those who attend the rally support any number of groups, Kelly said. While they may know on a certain level that they have support, Kelly said the rally is a chance to show that support with a physical presence that the local law enforcement community can see for themselves. Since the rally began in 2020, Kelly said the event has grown and is gaining momentum. While the numbers of rally goers weren't as large as last year's, he said the vast number of events going on during the weekend meant that many people weren't going to make it. Quote, I've gotten lots of good reactions and lots of people saying, this was great. I can't make it, but I support you. Seeing the crowds waving posters and flags and passersby honking waving hello means a great deal to his employees, Bonner County Sheriff Daryl Wheeler said. Seeing the support boosts their spirits, and makes them realize the community cares about them, Wheeler added. Quote, I think it encourages each officer to do the best job they can. And also, I think it reminds us that sets us apart from the rest of the country because we're so unique and have such a groundswell of support for law enforcement here. Sounds like a cool little event. Moving on. Spirit Lake Man Gets Life Sentence. The Spirit Lake Man who admitted to killing 56-year-old Tina Swore received a life sentence Friday. Judge Scott Wayman sentenced John D. Dalton, 56, to life in prison with 20 years fixed for the crime of murder in the second degree. That means Dalton will be eligible for parole when he is 76 years old. As part of a pretrial settlement offer, Dalton pleaded guilty to the crime in March. Prosecutors agreed to request a sentence of 25 years to life in prison. The charges stem from last August when friends and family didn't hear from Swar for several days and requested a welfare check. Spirit Lake Police found her dead inside her home, prosecutors said, two days after Dalton shot her five times. The pair were reportedly in a long-term relationship at the time of the murder. Law enforcement apprehended Dalton in St. Mary's later that week. Dalton was charged with domestic battery, a misdemeanor, in Kootenai County in early 2020. He later pleaded guilty to an amended charge of disturbing the peace and completed a domestic violence offender intervention program in March of 2021. Five months later, he killed Swore. Dalton filed a claim against Swore's estate in February, according to court documents, seeking interest in a Spirit Lake property that county records indicate was jointly owned by Swore and Dalton. The claim was denied based on Idaho's Slayer statute, which prohibits people from acquiring property or receiving a benefit as a result of killing another person. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, just murder this person. Hey, uh, I actually want that house now. Yeah, no, that that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Yeah, um, life sentence for, for murdering somebody, kind of kind of kind of goes right in line with what it should be you think Professional framing contractor to teen Construction LLC is currently hiring for the positions of journeyman, labor, and laborer apprentice carpenter. Those interested in the full-time journeyman position must be a motivated, reliable team player with their own transportation and ability to read, layout and understand blueprints. The position pays $25 to $35 an hour. Those interested in the full-time laborer apprentice carpenter position must also be motivated, willing to learn a new skill, and have reliable transportation. The position pays $18 to $25 an hour. For more information or to inquire about the open jobs, call Kyle Dettine at 208-818-4150 or Kyle Dettine, that's K Y L E D E T I N I E N N E at gmail.com. Moving on, headlines from Tuesday, September 12th, got another wildfire update for you guys. Cruise Battle KRC fires. Uh, We're just going to jump through and hit on a couple things here real quick on on the the many fires that are burning Bonner and Boundary Counties. shown a little bit as well. Several of the Kootenai River Complex fires have grown together, U.S. Forest Service officials said Monday evening. In total, the Russell Mountain and the Trout Fires, now known as the Russell Mountain Fire, and the rest of the fires in the complex have burned an estimated 19,708 acres since they were sparked by lightning strikes. Quote, fire activity on the Russell Mountain and Katka fires continues to be low intensity, backing ground fire that has been slowly moving downhill, Forest Service officials said. Firefighters continued to improve fire lines and remained in place during both the day and night shifts to hold and suppress the fire as it reaches the fire line and West Side Road. Officials said the Russell Mountain fire has reached constructed fire line west of the west 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 of the West Side Road and the West Side Road in several locations between Trout Creek and Ball Creek roads. Man, lots of west there. Sparked by lightning in late August, the Columbus Fire, located on the Coeur d'Alene River Ranger District, has now burned an estimated 1,806 acres. The nearby Bear Gulch Fire has burned an estimated 144. Also caused by lightning, the fire is located six miles east of Murray. Both fires are listed as 0% contained. Referring to the Diamond Watch Fire, containment of the Diamond Watch Fire located 5.5 miles due west of Nordman remains at 49%. Fire has burned a total of 957 acres since it was sparked by a lightning strike in mid-July. America's Gold and Silver-owned Galena Mine in Wallace, Idaho, is currently accepting applications for the position of maintenance supervisor. The maintenance supervisor is responsible for overseeing all aspects of maintenance needs. The ideal candidate for the position would have an associate's degree in maintenance-related fields, five-plus years of experience, and two-plus years in a supervisory role. This role is an excellent opportunity to work on a variety of projects, take charge of your career, and make a difference on a small team in a dynamic work environment america's gold and silver offers competitive wages a full employee benefit package which includes medical dental vision life and disability insurance pto 401k and pension plan to apply for this and any other open positions at the galena mine visit www.americasgold.com forward slash careers takes in show show news press headlines for tuesday september 13th headline BOCC hears appeal in West Fork Pine Creek Road situation. This is a follow up on a long saga that Josh McDonald has been writing on. The Shoshone Board of County Commissioners heard arguments for and against the validation of a section of West Fork Pine Creek Road on Thursday morning during a public hearing at Shoshone County Courthouse. The hearing was an appeal of a decision made by the BOCC earlier this year when they denied the petition that was filed by Paul Lewenheiser, an off-road vehicle enthusiast and member of the North Idaho Trailblazers, for the purpose of validating a section of road that intersects through multiple different property owners before heading into lands managed by the Bureau of Land Management. Management. At this time, Lotenhauser, Lotenheiser rather, is joined on the official petition by Silver Valley resident Bob Jula, former. Pinehurst Mayor and co-sponsored by the NITB President Wayne Halgren. all three entities represented by David Caliborn, an attorney with Sawtooth Law Offices, who also serves on the Idaho Recreation Council. The original petition is steeped in history, but really gained steam following the actions of nearby property owner Joe Avery, who had placed blockades on the across the road on two different occasions, including one particular road in 2020 that resulted in the county work crews being tasked with removing the pile of logs and debris from the roadway. Members of Lautenheiser's NITB group, as well as other local recreators, have used the road to access a session of BLM land with varying trails and roads throughout it, including a section of specifically constructed off-road obstacles called the roller coaster. While both Jula and Lautenheiser spoke during the hearing, Claraborn, Claraborn presented the meat of their case for the validation. Much of the debate concerning this stretch of road centers on the historical use of it, and if it has ever been considered a public highway, despite some mapping that seemingly hinted at such facts, there was nothing concrete to cement the petitioner's original case. Former commissioner Mike Fitzgerald explained his reason for declina, uh, declination, ma- mainly that the evidence wasn't sufficient enough to prove the county's interest in the road historically or otherwise. Clara Born explained that according to Idaho code, there are two ways a public road can be established: by public use or by order of the county commissioners. The attorney's discovery harkens back to the early settling of the day, settling days of the state, where counties wanting to lay out road systems would appoint viewers or overseers to go out and find these roads w- uh, with, where. Where they would best be suited, as well as to look at the existing roads and trails to make determinations as to whether or not the suitable to be they were suitable to be considered a public road. He also pointed out, out that since nineteen oh nine, no records exist that Shoshone County has ever never vacated or abandoned that road. Quote, so it is today a public road by declaration of the nineteen oh nine board, Clariborne said definitively. Clariborne also discussed the public use possibility of establishing a public highway, which he said was the primary focus of the original hearing by petitioners, which ultimately was denied. Things that did get heated during the rebuttal period of the hearing when Calaborn was contesting many of the things that were sent against the petition. While Clariborn was speaking, a resident of Pine Creek who had spoken during the hearing jumped to his feet, screaming, quote, this petition is wrong and I'm done hearing it. He was subsequently subdued by courthouse security after car- after he carried on with his outburst in the courtroom lobby. Boy, oh boy, that's contentious. With more than 100 total pages of submitted evidence by both sides of the argument, Commissioner John Hansen requested that the BOCC be given more time to make any sort of determination. This would give all the commissioners, including recently appointed Commissioner Tracy Cassidy, time to review the original testimony, as well as the new evidence submitted on Thursday. The BOCC has scheduled a follow-up meeting on October 6th at nine. 9- 30 a.m. where they should render their decision. Yeah, that's uh this has been going on for a long time now, uh, especially in more rural counties. You know the the argument of what is public land, what is private land. Uh, it's always in contention. So this has been going on, and obviously, as somebody you know gets carried out of a hearing in a courthouse over a road, uh, obviously tempers can get pretty heated. Watts Appliance has been providing incomparable customer service to the Silver Valley for over fifty years. The family-owned and operated business has a wealth of knowledge regarding appliances and the brands they sell. Whether you need a new washing machine or have questions about refrigerators, Watts Appliance is ready to help. Visit Watts Appliance or stop by at free North Division Street in Pinehurst. WattsAppliance.com, rather. Moving on. Last story for the day. Sunshine Mine kicks off drilling exploration program. This is by chance, Watson. For the last decade, operations at the historic Sunshine Mine in Big Creek have been limited. A skeleton crew of approximately 15 employees have largely been responsible for slowly updating the mine since a 2012 rehabilitation and drilling project was terminated. Safety and environmental manager Tyson Klein described this time as, quote, care and maintenance mode. With the August 2022 approval of a substantial exploration program by the mine's owners, Sunshine Silver Mining and Refining, this calmer time could be a thing of the past. Mine General Manager Tom Henderson explains this nearly two-year-long operation has already begun with the arrival of personnel and equipment from Borart Longyear Drilling, based out of Salt Lake City. The main objectives of this program are to expand known mineral resources and discover new veins in not just the Sunshine Mine, but adjacent-owned properties as well. These other properties include the Sterling Tunnel, Silver Summit, Consil, and Polaris. Quote, we're, we're really getting excited to be doing exploration drilling in areas that are either under un, underexplored or completely unexplored, Henderson said. Geologically, there's reason to believe that there is an undiscovered mineralization out there. One of the two drills that are planned to be utilized for the operation has already arrived on site and has been responsible for providing several thousand feet of rock cores. Currently drilling near the daylight switch inside the Consil Tunnel near Osborne, uh, this LM-110 drill, with a second LM-90 drill expected to arrive in October, has the capability of boring holes from 800 to 3,000 feet deep into solid rock. The core, the rock cores that come from this and future drilling efforts are then packaged up and sent to the Sunshine Mine Complex for logging and analysis by geologists, such as geology manager Greg Nickel. Nickel, Nickel explains that when, when a box comes in, each containing 10 feet of rock core, they are laid out sequentially and inspected with a variety of factors in mind. Quote, they first go through geotech review where we look at intervals, recovery, and do a rock quality determination. We then take a deeper dive into what structure we're seeing with it and what kind of alterations we're seeing with it and what kind of lithology we're seeing. It, we're seeing. Just pull it apart. While the standard money minerals of silver, copper, and zinc haven't appeared yet in any of the early rocks collected, other interesting geologic minerals such as pyrite and garnets can be seen in numerous samples. Nickel is not concerned with the lack of silver, copper, and zinc in these early cores, as this first stage of drilling at the Daylight Switch will require drilling through unknown ground for new discoveries. Done in conjunction with the exploration component of the uh, operation, the data collected from the ongoing drilling operations will be combined with previous historical records to create a 3D geological model of all the veins at the Sunshine and adjacent properties. The previous information that the new drilling information will be added to includes roughly 130 years of documentation, quote, There's over 100,000 data points of discrete uh, discrete items that have been identified, sampled, and described, but they are on hard copy or old maps from the 20s and 30s, Henderson said. It's a project. We're pouring all of that into a single 3D model. This model will be used for future technical studies to upgrade the mine and mill for commercial production, in addition to developing a mine plan to restart mining operations with a minimum of 10 years of mine life. With the addition of 15 Borart long-year personnel, the Sunshine Exploration Program is slated to run from August 2022 to March of 2024. Drills will run seven days a week with crews pulling double shifts. Yeah, uh, definitely a good thing for the Silver Valley and North Idaho as a whole. Um, mining has always been a huge part of the Sunshine or the Silver Valley and uh, and and North Idaho, and uh, you know one active and uh, mine coming back up and have possibly coming back into full production would be a good thing for the local the local economy. Once again we'd like to thank Andy's heating and cooling for uh for sponsoring this episode. Andy's heating and cooling has been selling and installing furnaces, air conditioners and fireplaces, barbecues and much more in new and existing homes since 1972. Join Andy's heating and cooling team on Friday, September 16th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, September 17th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. to celebrate 50 years of operations in North Idaho with special deals, grilled and smoked food, and raffles. All right, everybody, thanks again for having fun with me today and going through the news. Hope you're a little more informed about what's going on here in North Idaho. Please subscribe to us on whatever music app you listen in on. Whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, whatever the major ones are, we're on We're on almost all of them. So go ahead and check us out on there. Give us a little subscribe, like, follow, leave a nice review, whatever it may be uh, that makes me happy, makes my boss happy, makes Makes the world go around. You know, that's that's how it goes. It makes advertisers happy, too, and the advertisers are the ones that make sure this show is possible, everybody. Uh, if you're interested in the stories we are talking about today or the ones we did out, check us out at www.shoshonenewspress.com, cordelainpress.com com or the bonners Ferry all right everybody thanks again we'll see you later